dwelling in the darkest depths of the mind, it's time for Mark D. Valenti and Brain Burrow. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Brain Burrow. This is your host, Mark D. Valenti. This is one of our special Digging Deep sessions where we have a chance to talk to a guest and get their perspective on themselves, on their motivation, on life in general, and gives you, the viewer and listener, a chance to reflect on that and how does it impact you. So I'm very pleased to announce that our special guest this evening is Mindy Doherty, and I'm going to hand it over to Mindy with the usual question, who exactly is Mindy Doherty? Though I have many titles, I do not feel entitled. Uh, My name is Mindy Doherty. I own a company called Feed My City at www.feedmycity.net. I'm the author of A Resilient Warrior, which is an autobiography of my life, transcends from childhood abuse, overcoming incest and sexual abuse, as well as being violently uh, abused, as well as overcoming military and medical abuse, and overcoming many disabilities, and walking through to become an actress, a nurse, and many other things that I've done, especially through... I was bedbound for three and a half years and learned how to basically rewalk in the water. So to help other people, I became a Watsu practitioner through a person named Harold Dull, who created Watsu in the very beginning, and have basically fought through many adversities to get here. My gosh, Mindy, uh, I had no idea about the extent of the adversities that you've gone through in your life. And it says a lot that you've been able to overcome. It sounds like make the best of it and be an inspiration to others as well. So what I plan on doing with my company, which is Feed My City, is teaching people how to grow from the inside out by using my garden. I teach people that they can inspire themselves by planting for themselves and others and giving fruit and vegetables to either child advocacy groups, their neighbors, or um, basically food banks and also through my book have given inspiration throughout the world we're now sold over 13 countries just gotten Barnes and Nobles and two other local um, bookstores here so I'm in three bookstores now and hoping to expand that as well and eventually make it into a movie so that we can inspire as many people as we can around the world and make it into a universal practice where people learn how to take their adversities and overcome abuse and basically almost look their abusers, not in the eye, but basically the proverbial eye, and look at themselves and say, no matter what I've gone through, I can overcome this and move on and move forward and also help other people through it and create a balance and peace within and I've found more justice than I have in any other place by writing and by doing poetry and by finding kind of the little things that make me happy throughout you know everyday life you know there are times of course where we're all down and out and figuring out where we're supposed to be or where we belong anymore and especially through COVID there's been so many different changes that people have had to make either through their jobs, losing their jobs, losing their husbands, losing their wives, or 
relationships that have started, not started, um, that have broken up, you know, people that have just have definitely changed. And so basically want to help people through the adversities and remain kind of hopeful and have some inner peace with that. And also teaching children to plant plants so that they can also grow and flourish. And basically, I want to teach the concept in schools to have them plant basically for others so that they don't become attached to things or so that they learn detachment from materialism and so that they learn that the plants basically will subsidize other people and it won't go towards them or it could even help you know their classmates and stuff like that but to learn detachment from materialism so that when they grow older they learn that materialism doesn't make them happy that their inner selves and their inner mirrors quote-unquote I call it inner mirrors can make them happy and it can sustain themselves and figure out no matter what's going on in their lives to sustain that and I do neurofeedback weekly to help with depression, anxiety, PTSD, because I have severe PTSD from the things that have happened in my life. And so I work with that as well. Clear that you've put a lot of thought into your framework and uh, the way that you're approaching others with that. And I love the symbolism of the plants, right, about sort of promoting uh, something that's really about uh, detachment from as you said, commercialism. How did you get to a point where you decided that plants and planting and sharing that was going to be the way that you're going to do that? So a couple of years ago, I thought I was dying. And I figured that if I wanted to leave a legacy, what would I want to do? And I thought to myself, what could I do for my city? What, what could I do to expand for my state? And then what if I took it out of the United States and, and did it for the world? And other countries started coming on to this concept and I started planting trees and planting gardens and stuff like that and they were like we love your concept we want to do this as well and then I ended up getting a transplant a stem cell transplant and it worked my legs stopped burning I stopped swelling and then I had a second mesenchymal I had a first mesenchymal stem cell transplant and the second was called an exosomal stem cell transplant where it has decreased 50% of the burning of something called CRPS which is chronic regional pain syndrome and what it does basically it's a neuro issue and, and a circulation issue to where my foot and my leg would swell up so big that it would be red and purple and I'd have to raise it above my eyebrows and be you know, in my bed for practically throughout the day. And through those stem cells, basically changed my whole life. And so after, you know, I was filling out my five wishes, figuring out like, what do I want to do if I don't, you know, if this doesn't work. Um, basically, I've lived and everything is, you know, has altered its course. And so I wanted to make the biggest difference before I left this world and I figured if I could leave this legacy behind what else could I do and so I took on acting a couple years ago because a friend of mine had asked me to do improv and he's like the best way to get out of your emotions for being a combat veteran come with me and and take this class and I'm like okay what are we doing 
And he's like, just trust me. And I was like, I don't trust anybody. And so he's like, of course you don't. So take this class with me. And so I learned that there was a better way of dealing with my emotions other than anger and numb because that's exactly what I was. I was very angry. And I went from anger really fast to being numb and not caring. And I wanted to change that. And I wanted to figure out not only if I was going to help myself first, then how could I help other people? And through helping other people, I found my joy again. And I felt that growing plants was the first step. And watching my trees grow and flourish, I realized how happy I became. And I was like, wow, I wonder how much happiness this could bring other people even in the small things. And so the kids in the neighborhood started bringing me flowers and they put them on my doorstep and, and little rocks and stuff. And they're like, we love you. And so it was like odd for me because the words I love you are very hard for me to speak of. Or, you know, I had a, a friend unfortunately commit, you know, suicide and, and the last three words of his were I love you. And so from that point forward, it was more or less like and I, I had a different relationship with the words, I love you. And so when the kids started saying it, I had to realize, you know, from the innocence of them, could I re restructure the words, I love you? And could I look at myself in the mirror and say, I love you? And that was the first step of beginning to actually love myself. And when I realized that kids were innocently saying, you know, I love you and and how much joy they have from picking these dandelions or wheat, you know, some people call them weeds and flowers and leaving them at my doorstep. It just made me even happier to realize that I, I was making a difference, not only in my community, but around the world. And when I wrote A Resilient Warrior, I think that's when I was most proud of myself to really get my story out there and to help others throughout the world. And people in Scotland and Ireland and the UK were reaching out to me saying that this message is so important we want you to come out and and really talk to us about this you know let let people know what you're doing and and how your struggles of depression anxiety and your PTSD how you've overcome that because there's so many people that have faced smaller adversities and unfortunately my life has been you know filled with trauma I, I would never want anybody to to go through half of the things that I've gone through however I realized that I also wouldn't have taken them back because it's made me who I am today and I've become such a strong person and a strong advocate for you know children and people's rights that that strength not only comes from the inside out but to learn to grow from the inside out Basically, I'm taking a whole different mechanism because people look at outer beauty so much. They'll just force themselves to, you know, lose weight or, you know, oh, I need to gain weight or I have, you know, plastic surgery for this or I have to get lipo for this or I have to uplift this and get a new butt and get a new, you know, job. So it's like That's all right. these outside and exterior things that are creating muddy waters instead of clearing it out and saying, you know, who am I really? And when I dug a little deeper... I realized that there was more to me than I ever even realized. And by my writing, it's kind of set me to a new standard and a new freedom that I've found. And sometimes I just artistically write. And then there's other times where I just write for my own self because I need to clear my own head or I need to clear things up that are in my head so I can go to sleep. Because there's times where 
I, I have severe insomnia and I can't sleep. So it's like, all right, well, what do I need to do? So I start writing poetry or writing songs or, you know, just writing things that are on my mind. And then it ends up going, you know, through my subconscious. Or I'll do something called EFT, which is a tapping technique, which I was taught to basically help relieve anxiety. And that works a little bit, but my neurofeedback, it, de- it definitely helps me even more. You've done so much already. I mean, it's been an evolution, right, from where you were before, okay. incorporating new ideas. You know, and, and for people out there right now who are struggling with depression or anxiety or in situations where they feel hopeless, they may hear your story and feel inspired. But how did you get to a point where you were feeling, let's say, your lowest and how did you muster all of this to get to where you are now? Because it's got to take some amount of strength to be able to do that. How did you muster that strength to get to where you are now? Perseverance and resiliency, which is why I, I created that book. And the title of it was written last. And, and I purposefully did that. I didn't have a title for my book until the last minute, actually. And the reason I say I'm a resilient warrior is because a warrior can be in spirit, it can be physical, it can be in nature. And I found that through resilience and perseverance, you can pretty much overcome the battles that you're having in your mind as long as you persevere and you're resilient through the things that you've gone through and realizing that people that have hurt you, they could have been hurt themselves or not that this is an excuse because it's not. However, abuse is contexted in so many different levels between sexual, physical, mental, you know, there's also spiritual abuse as well. And so what I had learned is that if I looked at others as if they had a situation that maybe they just had lacked understanding, maybe if I gave them a different understanding or a different way out that they could possibly not only change their ways, but look at things differently from a different perspective. And then they could take the, those tools and they could either move forward or they could just stay stuck. And I never wanted to be stuck anymore. So I was basically figuring out like each day that I was bed bound in my mind, I would almost go through like a mind mapping and I would pretend that I was biking in the water or I would pretend that I was biking and walking or hiking or doing something different. Each time that, that I would go through that process, it was almost as if my mind remembered how to walk and what to do. And I've fallen on my face so many times when I was trying to walk that it it became, you know, one day I was like, all right, I'm going to get out of this wheelchair. I'm going to get out of this bed and I'm going to do something. And it, it took, like I said, over three and a half years. And then when I started to walk, I kept falling on my face. And then it was basically getting into the water again and relearning how to do that through physical therapy, through different techniques. I had relearned how to walk through that. And so again, I would kind of close my eyes and just pretend that I was biking in the water and pretend that I was running again and pretending that I was walking because I used to be a, a avid runner. I don't run at this point. However, I hike and I walk and stuff like that. I'd kind of go into my mind and really 
picture what I really wanted in my life and what I wanted the outcome. Instead of where I was at, I would picture where I wanted to be and who I wanted in my life and what types of characters I wanted in my life instead of the people that I had in my life previously who were no good for me. Um, unfortunately, I believe that when we're abused as children, sometimes we unconsciously create those situations or unconsciously create the people that remind us of our abusers. Not that we think that we deserve that, but it becomes so normalized and it becomes so familiar that we almost become afraid of the unfamiliar. And so for me, it was, what can I do to get uncomfortable with the unfamiliarity of people being nice to me? And so when I moved to Oregon, people were just so nice to me that it caught me off guard. And I was like, what do you want from me? And they're like, wow. they're just they're saying hi, you know, and I'm like, well, what do you want? Like, literally, we're just saying hi. We just want to be your friend. And I'm like, well, what entails that? You know, and I mm -hmm. drill people pretty much because there was no trust. There was a lack of understanding. Thankfully, it's taken me a while to get here. However, now I'm realizing that there are a lot of good people in this world that really genuinely do want to do good things in this world. And with that, I'd basically say that I keep wanting to bring that into my life. And so what I concentrate on is what do I want in my life right now and what kind of people do I want to surround myself with so that I can keep the continuum going so that I can keep inspiring other people and so that I can keep my voice going as well and so that I can eventually make a film so that people can be even more inspired and so that I can show people that no matter what you've gone through, there is a way out and it's through your mind. It's not anything physical that you can do. There's a lot of physical things, of course, that you can do to get yourself out of a situation, but it's mostly literally in between your mind that you have to continuously work on it. And it's a daily, a daily practice that you have to actually work on. And meditation wasn't my biggest ease. I learned how to meditate at a Buddhist temple, actually doing walking meditations. I was invited to a New York temple a while ago. And um, it's not likely to, for Americans to actually be invited here, but I was invited for a week to stay there. And it taught me so much. This, this guy from China, he was a Chinese monk, he had taught me so many different things. And the biggest thing I had learned from that was on this walking meditation, he had asked me to pick up a rock. And he said, squeeze it as hard as you can. And I was like, ow. And I dropped it. And he said, that's your life. He said, what do you hmm. want to do with your life? He said, and if there's a rock there, what are you going to do? And that implicated people, basically. Like, are you going to step on people? Are you going to hurt people? Are you going to go around them? Are you going to walk with them? What are you going to do with these people? And that lesson had taught me so many things and value. A valuable lesson for me was more or less like, I don't need to carry the load anymore. I don't need to carry this heavy burden of guilt a feeling like I did something wrong as a child or I did something to accept this abuse or I didn't, not that I wanted abusive relationships as I became an adult, but that's exactly what I recreated. I really stepped out of it and said, all right, I'm not going to date until I really figure this out. And I haven't since 2014, 
because I want the next person that I actually go out with to mean something to me and to basically not just jump in with, you know, jump in the deep waters, basically. And I wanted to basically really find myself before I went into the next relationship because I didn't want the next relationship just to be another abusive relationship or a one-sided relationship where I was giving everything and he wasn't giving me anything in return. Sure. Where I used to think that that was okay. And I think that that's also why I became a nurse is because I basically wanted to, you know, give. And unfortunately, in 2014, things had happened that altered those courses. And basically, that's ended, ended up helping me I was tortured for four months at San Antonio, Texas VA hospital. And because of the extreme that happened to me, it allowed me to write these books that I've written, Mindy's Fight and A Resilient Warrior. But it also allowed me to go through the therapies that I've gone through, I've done over 15 different therapies to get myself to here. So I don't think that I would be here had I not had those circumstances be so harsh. And the reason I say that is because I'm hard-headed. And so I needed something so hard to come at me. Otherwise, it wasn't going to alter my course. I was going to be a nurse for the rest of my life and become either a nurse practitioner or a doctor. I, I think that sometimes the universe has something so big planned for us that sometimes I got in my way. And I didn't allow others to show me the way because I thought that I had a better way. And now I think that I'm kind of learning how to maybe open my heart and open my mind to different aspects or different opinions of others. Not that I take their opinions at value all the time, but learning how to even just listen and be with instead of just shutting everybody out and shutting everybody off. Because it was pretty much like a night switch. I'm like, okay, you're talking, take, <laughs> go now or be angry. And, and now it's kind of relevant to my life as far as going with the flow at this point in time. Well, I think that's a really great point. Uh, what guidance might you give people, right, who are sort of sitting here thinking, oh, that's great, Mindy, that you got a chance to, you know, work with a Buddhist monk, but what can I do in my life day to day to kind of get out of my own head or choose to do with what's going on, like you said, in, in between your ears there. But before I do that, I want to actually affirm you uh, for what you're really talking about is humility, right? Humility is the ability to sort of reflect, okay, um, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe other people have something to say. So at what point did you get to that point where you were finding yourself embracing humility? I think it's become more recent in the last maybe five or six months. And I've learned that I have to create things artistically if I want to write or sing or do different drawings or mandalas or, you know, coloring basically or hiking, anything I can do to kind of get outside of my own self. Because I feel like sometimes we have so much time that we sit and ruminate. So when I can get outside of myself or like I said, garden or hike or find a different hobby that maybe I wouldn't have considered before. So maybe do something different even if it's uncomfortable. And for me, between, you know, what had happened, when things got uncomfortable, I would kind of shut down. Whereas now I'm like, all right, let's just push through it and see what's on the other side. And let me see what opportunities it can have, you know, and if I really don't like it, then I'm out. 
instead of just shutting everything off and shutting everybody down because I have a habit of easily shutting everybody out. It's, it's easy for me to sh- shut more people out than allowing more people in. Sure. And I think that I'm kind of learning how to let more people in to a degree. Right. I think that's it. And again, thank you for sharing that because it's not always easy to talk about our own personal growth and putting ourselves in situations that we may not be comfortable with. Uh, you talked about learning new skills or putting outside your comfort zone, especially if it's not, you said, especially if it's not something you're familiar with. And I would say that seems to be the, the best way to sort of drive yourself to be more humble is to try things that you're not familiar with. So I think that's a, that's a really great bit of advice I would say to anybody out there who uh, to, to, to really challenge yourself and again in a safe way right because you you may take a different class or you may do something else that's sort of safe and to your point you still have an option of saying okay i don't want to do this but it's really allowing yourself to be uncomfortable in a safe way right even dancing in my living room sometimes (laughs) just get outside of myself turn up the music and and nobody's watching so it's more or less like just dance you know and get uncomfortable with dancing for a little bit try a new move and you know, get out and get outside of myself, basically, and yeah. get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a little bit. It's a great way to say that. So and I think, you know, I was going to ask you what advice you'd give to others. It sounds like you just gave people a huge amount of advice just now. Is there anything else as we sort of close the, the discussion? Uh, because you've shared so much and so many options that you're going to be continuing to work with people with Again, the film you're doing, uh, I got obviously your book and resources, and we can put links to different resources in the podcast. Is there any other advice you would give to anybody else out there right now? To not give up. Hmm. And one ounce of hope. If I can provide you with one ounce of hope, then that can move mountains because it's like light within darkness. If there's one ounce of hope, then there's no hopelessness. And in darkness, if there's either one shadow of light, then at least there's some light that's permeating through. And that light can be hope. So if I can create hope within somebody, then maybe they can spread that hope to someone else. Yeah, thank you. That was very powerful. And, you know, oftentimes human beings sort of suffer from all or nothing thinking. We think life is hopeless or, you know, we just put people in all bad or all good categories. And one of the messages I'm hearing from you today is, uh, it's not that simple. And if there's even a little bit of hope, a little bit of light, then grab on to that. Right. So, there's yeah. gray areas and everything, really. So if we can hold on to some of that gray areas, yeah. then maybe it's not an all or nothing. Or maybe the world isn't better without that individual, you know. And maybe they'll create a hope within themselves and say, you know, it's not all useless. Maybe there is an opportunity for me to grow. Or maybe there is an opportunity for me to meet somebody in the future. Because sometimes when you're so down and out, there is no escape. And people think, oh, the world would be better without me. When that's so not true, that each person can contribute something, something different, you know. If we were all robots, then we'd all be the same, you know. And and I think there, there becomes a dangerous road in wanting to be so similar that we forget that we're supposed to be different and we're supposed to live our lives differently and we have that whole opposite attract but we don't have to be opposites we can they there doesn't have to always be an opposite there can always be a polarity with somebody and a similarity as well yeah well said again it's not as black and white the world is not that you know embrace the grays basically right 
Mindy, I want to thank you very much for the insightful uh, conversation, but also your sharing your amazing story and kind of what you've gone through and where you are today and the amount of work that you've done. So thank you thank for you so coming. much. This is a great opportunity. My pleasure. So thank you. And I want to thank the listeners and viewers out there for tuning into Brainborough. As always, uh, have an amazing day and take advantage of what you learn on this program. On behalf of Mindy Doherty, this is Mark D. Valenti for Brainborough. You just dug deep with Mark D. Do you want more? Follow Mark on Instagram at Valenti Horror and subscribe to the Brain Burrow Podcast. <laughs>